boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Happy Halloween from the uh, boys at the Total She Show. It is the 31st of October. I am officially almost done the busiest part of my year. And wow, I've been living a real life circus sideshow carny. And I'm ready for a vacation. So poor producer Chris is in for a tough one today. As I am in a hell of a mood. How are you doing today, Chris? Uh, fantastic. I'm worried about you being in a bad mood. I'm also worried, like, what are you going to do? When Halloween season's over. What I do every year. Decompress for two months? Uh, I usually take about 10 days to recover. Yeah, because like, that's a, what I'm thinking. Mentally exhausting. And then around November 10th, I miss it for a, a couple weeks. Yeah. And you, and you feel bad. You feel lazy. But, you know, I actually have to focus on trying to get into shape. Oh. Because I haven't closed the door on something. Right. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the smartest promoter ever, Danny Duggan asked me to be in his rumble to remember, which I believe is November 26th or 27th. We'll get an exact date on that next week. And, uh, I said, I, I I wasn't, I was about 50, 50 if at best. And I said, I wanted to lose five pounds and I wanted to, I I'm not going in there. I'm going in there to win it, believe it or not. Right. I'm going in there that even if I'm told, you know what, you're just in it for fun tonight. I want the fans to want to see me the next show and the next show. I want the promoter to be sitting there saying, well, we want to book you more regularly. And I can say, no, I don't want to. See, I said the exact same thing because he asked me to to be in it as well. And I, I had a couple things. I said, number one, I'm only going in if Davidson goes in. Yeah. That's what I said. And I said, number two, I said, if I'm going in, I'm going in it to win it. I'm not, I'm not like those people that go to Vegas yeah. and they expect to lose. When I go in, when I step in the <laughs> ring, I expect to win. So if I go in it, and I got to be honest, it's twenty five seventy five. It's not like oh, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse, not better. Okay. I, if I went in it, I would be going in there to impress the crowd. I wouldn't be going in there to get a nostalgia pop. I'd be going in for people to go, holy, he's taking this seriously. Yeah. And holy, look at him fire up, and look, or or if I'm a heel, right? So. I would have to get into a certain zone. I I've been training hard. So, so if you if you tell me... Uh, you should day, go in it either way. A day before the show, if you say I'm in, I'll be ready. I'm, yeah. tra- I'm training as if my I think you should be plan to be in it, and I'm planning not to be in it, and I think that's a perfect combination. <laughs> no offense, and I appreciate that Danny asked me. I would love to do it. Yes. But the problem with this timing of the year is I have so much between August and October... Then I finish October and I got a lot in November. So it's like, I would really want to dedicate myself to it. Yeah. And it's just, it's tough. It's, it's not likely. Well, and Danny's asked, asked me and probably you as well every year for the past like three or four years. No, not me. This is the first time. Oh, he's really? Asked. Okay. I, I think he assumed I was ne- nowhere near interested. Nowhere near interested. But I had a hip injury the past like three years that has been legitimately debilitating (laughs) and it's finally feeling good. Like my hip is feeling good. So of course I'm thinking about it, but also there's a part of me like, okay, it's feeling good. Do you want to go and make it not feel good? Well, you only have to take one bump over the top rope. Yeah, but I like to, I want it spectacular. What are you going to do? Take a backdrop in a battle royal? That's what I, that's what I did. My last battle royal I was in was the Red River Rumble for Steel Town. And how long ago was this? Eight years. And, <laughs> and, and uh, Matt Fairlane backdropped me from the inside to the outside. Yeah. And I didn't do I didn't do the thing where you go up and come straight down. I went right over. Yeah. And landed on my ass, actually. So maybe that's why my hip is messed I'm going to make a point of trying to be there for the event. Yeah. Even if I don't go in. Either it. way, yeah. And maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I can invite Adam Knight in person to come on our, on our podcast. He'll be, he'll be at the event. Because I know Dave Cote has asked him to be on the podcast, and I know a few others have reached oh, out to him. I feel like we need to call Dave Cote one of the, and just get, you know, well, get Did he get a response? Yeah. I think you need to get the resp- the temperature of Adam Knight because I think he's going to say, what is the total she show? I asked another guy, hey, would you like to be a guest on on my podcast? I didn't, or would you like to be a guest on Bishis? Yeah. And he said, what is that? 
I just crossed him off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he's not in the know, I mean, we're the hottest thing. In well, right now. I don't know for the hottest thing, but at least play along, right? And say, at least search bees, she's and figure out what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, just be, oh, just a second. I got a text. Open up your phone. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So crossed off. And you know what? One thing I want to look at doing at some point in the near future is having our first female guest on. Yeah. Maybe it'll be the cloud nine mom and geez, wheeze. <laughs> Remember Tommy Lee Curtis yeah. was talking about this hot mom that's running cloud nine. He is now coined geez, wheeze. Shane Madison yes. has coined the hashtag cloud nine mom. We want pictures. So Tommy Lee Curtis, who told the best story of all time on this podcast, he needs to post a picture of his, of his business partner. I, th- I think so. Or, or maybe not if he's trying to stay out of trouble, but <laughs> well, here's the Tommy Lee Curtis, that story he told about Bruce and Teddy Hart is the best story I think I ever heard. And I barely could contain myself and, and get back into composure it for was the rest a, of the podcast. A great story. It made me a little bit nauseous because it's just, it's such a weird, like Owen called from heaven. Let's use Text. that. Texted. Texted from heaven. Let's yeah. use that as an angle. It may be kind of queasy. But... Now, you know what I, you know, what would have been queasy is if that had led to, Bruce Hart, Teddy Hart, and the cell phone, which is Owen Spirit in a six-man tag against Tommy Lee Curtis Heavy Metal and somebody else. And somebody takes a huracrana from the cell phone. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, speaking of the Hart family, interestingly enough, and we're going to be delving into this a lot next week, uh, the Montreal Screwjob, mm-hmm. which it's coming up on the 25th anniversary. Yes, it is. And Earl Hebner is now on the record as saying it was a work. What? And Bret Hart is not happy no, about Bre- it. No, Bret, I saw, I saw that actually, now that you mention it. Bret Hart was pissed and he was like, he's being irresponsible. Now, is he being pissed off because Earl is breaking kayfabe and letting the world know? Or is he pissed off because he, he you know, Bret will never admit he was in on it. No, Bret will kayfabe that till the end. So I don't know. Like, I... What's there to kayfabe if he was actually screwed? I've been back and forth on it so many times that... Well, I want you to be on the other side of me on that discussion next week. Because I'm going to tell you, because you know I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yes, I do. But... Everyone always says when I when I spew a conspiracy, do you know how tough it would be to pull that off? Well, it's just as easy to pull it off as it is to pull off the the shoot, yes. the perception of the shoot. It's actually harder to pull off the perception of the shoot than it is to pull off the work. But yeah. people don't understand that. No, you're 100% right So when people right are like, that. do you know how hard it would be to pull that off? Actually, it's easier to pull off the work than it is to pull off the shoot. It is. Because in the work, everyone's working together. But when you talk about the Montreal Screwjob, that was, if that was a shoot, they were all working against Brett. But if Brett was in on it, then they were all working together. It's a lot easier for it to have been a work than a shoot. Just like this whole thing with Punk and Omega. No. Hold it. You know what? I do have a, I said I didn't have anything to talk about with AEW, except they're teasing the the Elite is going to be on TV in November. They are. And that happens to be sweeps when there's value and everyone's like, hey, there's always this rumor that CM Punk has negotiated his release, but he hasn't. No, not it, it hasn't officially happened yet. Okay. You know how easy it is to actually do this release? Not- Tony Khan sends him notice that they're terminating the contract and here is your check. And you're a billionaire. There it, is nothing stopping this from happening. It depends whether Tony Khan's going to do it or not, though. Who, who knows how mad Tony Khan is? Who knows how much he's dug in his feet? There's also been the story that... Oh, yeah. Tony Khan comes across as the most dil- like the most angry well, man who will there, stand his ground. Yeah. There is he, there was a story earlier this week that Punk's dog actually got injured in the fray. And there, that's part of the law issue that's going on right now. Oh, the dog got God. struck in the face by the door. Oh, God. Which is which is funny enough is where Kenny Omega actually, according to the reports, he, yes. he was just trying to save the dog. Okay. He went to pick up the dog, and then he got bit by Ace Steel. Not the dog. You'd expect a dog to bite somebody, not another okay. person. So everything that gets out there for public consumption, you're going to assume is fact. No, I don't assume it's all fact. But if okay. you, are you but telling still me to do a that? Very I can e- do that. It's still a very easy. It's still very easy for them to leak information that's Com- supposed completely. to be a shoot that's completely. actually a work. I agree with you. Right? So in this case... On that. 
uh, and I beat this to point to death because I'm the last guy that says it was a work. But it is very easy to say, oh, we're going to talk about this lawsuit and that's why it's complicating it. And that allows CM Punk to be off and then you run with it, you run with it, you run with it. And then all of a sudden the settlement of the lawsuit is CM Punk has to be reinstated because he's going to win his breach of contract suit. And then you have him back on TV and it's against Tony Khan's will. And all of a sudden he comes out and shoots on the elite and now you have an angle. So what happens... If, and you, if you're wrong, well, because have you have you thought through that far? Well, like, what I have nothing to lose if I'm wrong. If you're completely wrong about it, though, you've dug in. It wasn't irresponsible of me to tell you the no, other side of it. No, no, no. I'm just wondering. Now, imagine how you're going to handle that. No, here's what's going to happen. So they're going to turn, if it turns into an angle, everyone's going to say it started as a shoot, but they, they were smart and they pivoted into a work because Dave Meltzer is never going to say he was irresponsible in reporting and yeah. took facts, not, not, not accurate. Right. Yeah. He's never going to say he reported on facts that were, that were proven to be inaccurate and that he got worked. He will never, ever come out and say that if it, if they ever end up in the ring, if CM Punk ever ends up in the ring with any one of those three, it is because it was a work at the start, not because it turned into a work. Trust me on this. I, I agree with some of what you're saying, not about it being a work, of course, but just about, I don't know. It's such a, it's a, such a, it's become so convoluted because we're getting this stuff from Dave Meltzer and he used to be a source of, you know, reasonably factual. Um, you are it, so wrong on that. Reasonably factual. Okay, so completely factual. In '97, he reported everything from Montreal like it was a shoot, but he was reporting what they were telling him was a shoot. Yes, and this is what I'm. This is what I'm getting at, though, is that I, I, I have suspected for a while that Dave Meltzer is on the payroll for no. All Elite Wrestling, just the way he fawns over all no. the garbage, and get he gives. That's because he can being in with that. That group in that fan base allows him to sell more, ma- more. Yeah, he's trying to stay on. relevant. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just. But anyway, what I will say at the end of the day, if it would be so easy for them to cooperate, it's a lot easier for them to cooperate than work it. Okay, wait a second. It is a work, and I'll tell you why. How would you keep CM Punk quiet? Why would he not go on social media and rip them and rip them a new one? Well, if if it's a lawsuit going on, that's, that's a good the reason. Only, yeah, he, he lost a ton of money to Colt Cabana already. What is happening you, in the lawsuit? Do you think he what wants is to happening? Lose? What is happening in the lawsuit? I don't know. I'm not on the inside of it. Yeah, because they everyone reports rumors about the lawsuit. There's nothing to it. Uh, one moving on. Yes, let's move on from that. Yeah, one thing I'm going to say. There's a new. Well, there's not a new, but my friend Louis, who I've known uh-huh. for twenty some years since right. '99 is involved. He's doing it again. He does this once every year or so. It's called CNWEA or something. What does that stand for? Canadian National Wrestling uh, Exhibition Alliance. Okay, that's a lot. Yeah. So I like Louis a lot. I want him to come on the podcast and everyone thinks I'm doing it because I want to make fun of him and I don't. I want him to succeed. He's got a passion for wrestling and I want him to have fun. He's one of the guys that I don't begrudge trying something because it's going to be fun for him. He's never going to make money doing what he's trying to do. He's like he's contacting me and he's like, "You know, we're going to charge 20 and $25. We're talking to this talent, that talent, this talent." And it's like it's over his head and there's nothing anyone can do to help him. Unfortunately, and he's never, I, I worry he's not going to get the credibility he needs to be successful, right? And I could play a voice clip that he left uh, Shane Madison saying, geez, Wheezy said, um, hey, Mecca, I got 20 posters for you. Can you get them out? We're, like, we got to play that. Yeah, I wish I had it queued up, but it's like, it doesn't make sense why a promoter would call and say, hey, you've been retired for 10 years. You were a pretty big deal on the local scene. Just, I'm going to give you 20 posters, get them out. Like, I can't imagine, like, and I'm much closer friends with Jeez Weez. And if I was promoting a show, I might say, hey, here's a couple of posters. If he said, hey, I'll put one up at the gym, great. But I give him a couple of posters in case he just wanted them for keepsakes. Yeah. I would never say, hey, can you get these posters up? Like, uh, it's going to help me that much. Right? I, re- I really would like to see that in person. Somebody- and, and even like that conversation with me and him as good friends would be, is there anything you can do to help me? Right. Yeah. Like, it would not be me just 
dismissively telling him to put up posters. And I'm not, uh, yeah, I, and I'm not saying that he wouldn't do it either. Like yeah. He, for, for you or for somebody close to him, he probably would do it. But yeah. So for Louis, just a funny I visual. want you to come on. I want you to explain your passion for wrestling and your ministry and all of that. I'm not going to make fun of you. I want to understand it. And I want the people who listen to this podcast, and it's growing every week again. I love that. But I want people to understand what it is that's lit a fire under him that makes him want to. Listen, people think I'm struggling to be relevant, and that's why I lost a podcast, or launched a podcast, not lost a podcast. No, I didn't launch this podcast because I was sitting outside of the business and going, God, I got to do something to get back in. I did it because I wanted to have fun. And you you gave me the avenue as a, as a yeah. producer and partner to be able to do this. And now it's like, okay, we found our rhythm and it and it's a good riff. I want to find out what it is Louis is hoping to accomplish with this. So come on the podcast at some point, just like Adam Knight, come on the podcast and we can just have some fun with it. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at with this. And um yeah, that's all I got to say before we go to our guests. Who, who do we have? We have the promoters or, or two of the main decision makers for Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. They've done something here that's been magic and I wanted to understand it better. But rather than me try to dissect it, I wanted to hear from them yes. what their vision is. So they're going to come on and they're going to talk about that. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, then we got the Mary Brown's mailbag yeah. where I'm going to have some questions to answer and then we'll call it a day because I need a rest. All right. I'm looking forward to this interview. We're going to hit that up next. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bee Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESSHEES. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. The Total Bee She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bee She's Show on Twitter at Total Bee She's, on Instagram at Total Bee She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bee She's. Hey, this is Mr. Beefy Goodness Vance Nevada, the author of Uncontrolled Chaos, Canada's remarkable professional wrestling legacy. You may have heard me on episode 17, and you're listening to the Total Bee's She's Show. You know, there's something taking the wrestling game by storm in Winnipeg, and it's called Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. And you and I, Chris, had the opportunity to go check out a show live at the West End Cultural Center recently, and I was floored. And I wanted to know the secret, the magic behind it, what's working for them. And the best way to do that is, rather than me speculate and potentially be wrong, is to go right to the horse's mouth, get them on the show, find out what they're willing to share with us in an interview. And so I requested and got not one, but two of the brains behind the, the company Winnipeg Pro Wrestling to come on the show today. And we do. We have the business manager, Ben Kissick, and the booker, Devin Bray, joining us here on the BCE show. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, nice to finally talk to you, Mike. Yeah, it's great. Uh, thank, I, I understand you guys listen, which is always a, a good thing. I, I was saying earlier that I asked a wrestler to be on the show, and I said, hey, do you, went, do you want to do the Bishi show? And they said, what is that? And so I just I just crossed them off. And it wasn't Adam Knight either. So, um, <laughs> No way. <laughs> so how do you guys do it? What happened to cause Winnipeg Pro Wrestling to have this, this groundswell you guys started right before a pandemic and you came out of the pandemic hotter than ever. Tell us what happened. So uh, maybe I'll take this one, Devin, just because I believe uh, yeah. I'd, I'd like to say the, uh, the idea kind of blossomed on a wrestling trip to Los Angeles in 2017. We, a group of us went down to the New Japan show in Long Beach. And uh, while we were there, we happened to just randomly get tickets to Joey Ryan's uh, bar wrestling, which, you know, before he got outed, was a pretty cool and fun place to go. 
And while we were there, like it was the highlight of the trip. And like uh, three of us that ended up uh, were part of the collective that started WCW. Uh, just had the idea, like Winnipeg needs this, and Winnipeg can have this, and so that's kind of where the idea started, and then kind of you know grew from there. So it's a group of fans with a similar vision and a desire to give fans something that was lacking in the marketplace. That would be that's that would be kind of the mission, the call to the call to action. Yeah, like it was just an atmosphere and, a, you know, just that level of excitement. We just weren't experiencing that in the local Olympic scene at the time. Mm-hmm. So you guys were both pretty big fans, right? You were supportive of local shows. You'd known a lot about the the indie scene in Winnipeg. What was it that you thought you guys could improve upon and make and create this movement? And that's what it would be called, a movement. What was it that you saw lacking that you guys knew you could supply uh, to fill the demand? Oh, Ben, I got that one. Um, (laughs) I think it came down to representation and having people that are um, competing or performing, whatever we want to call it in this case, um, to look like the people that are coming to the show. So we wanted to have a lot of women represented, a lot of people of color, uh, queer folk, and just sort of have a very diverse roster so that we would attract a more diverse fan base. And that worked very well for you, I think, because when I was at the show, I think we went in September, yep. I could not believe, normally when I go to an independent show locally, I see fans that I've seen going to shows for 20 years, and I didn't recognize anybody at the show. And that's a testament to how good you guys did it because there was over 300 people, and normally I would have like at least 60 to 70 people that I would know from other shows. And I never saw fans that I, that are going to all the local shows. You guys have a completely, a completely unique fan base and it was impressive. Well, we've been going to shows like, you know, CWE. I actually went to a WFX. I was in the front row for uh, (laughs) one of your tapings there. And like, they're all fantastic experiences that we had, but I guess it was sort sort of hubris that we had. We could say, well, we can take what we've learned and take what we like and throw it together and try to do things a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, wrestling is still like professional wrestling and we don't really have too much, um, you know, Gaga or even like hardcore matches or anything. It's very standard, um, heel versus faces. And I think the audience can easily buy into that because, you know, it's been around for over a hundred years now and, uh, especially in Winnipeg and people can just really kick back and enjoy sort of what's in front of them and without being be over the head with messages or storylines even. How was it with uh, negotiating with wrestling talent and, and creating your vision, getting it to become a reality, getting the right pieces in play, the talent and, and the, and the players you wanted for your roster. Um, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, I feel, <laughs> you know, I just feel uh, early on, like um, I had actually trained with AJ, like in ring summer back in I want to say maybe 2015 so me personally I was able to like kind of get my head in the game in that sense and then um, at the start WPW was actually six people that kind of you know started it all and um, a few of them uh, Curtis Housen a friend of yours yeah I love Curtis good friend of the show yeah he he obviously had uh, a lot of friends and contacts in the local uh, James Corbaugh and Adam Jardino, who also uh, had a podcast. And so through that, they were able to have a bunch of uh, relationships that were already built. And yeah, so from there on, you know, it was kind of like uh, they gave us what we needed to uh, get the wheels going. We really depend on carloads now, too. Um, like we have Alberta and uh, St. Louis and uh, Minneapolis. So we kind of established one contact or two contacts down there, people that we really, really like working with and rely on their suggestions. And then we do a little bit of research and sort of build together these car loads that also can, you know, square up against other car loads. So it's kind of an interesting uh, business model, I guess you could call it. But at our first show back in April, um, two of the car loads actually ended up canceling because of weather. So, we are kind of left scrambling um, with literally the day of the show. So that's wrestling. Well, that that show worked out good. 
It did. Uh, it's it for a, a Blizzard show, but I think the last, the June and September show, we really hit a stride at the West End. We've really kind of figured out, um, you know, the logistics, and then we added like our little rampway, and and the ring looks just gorgeous now. So yes, trying to up the game every show. Yeah, your production value is unbelievable. It's the best I've ever seen locally. Um, and then you add the atmosphere of a very, very excited fan base. And it is a night out that is untouchable. You guys have really mastered that. Let me ask you this. So you're bringing in carloads from Alberta, Minneapolis, and then you're using some Winnipeg talent and putting it all together. Is there an opportunity, and I, I may have asked this in an email before, and I apologize if I'm going someplace you don't want me to go, but wouldn't there be an opportunity to take your live event, stream it live to the, and, and be able to reach the following, not only in Winnipeg, but the Alberta fan base that's supporting the guys you're bringing in and the Minneapolis fan base that's supporting the Minnesota guys you bring in. Couldn't you reach all of them with a, with a live stream or a, even an internet pay-per-view? Although I think that that term is passe, but is that not something you guys are going to explore? We, we have, and we like, we will get to that point. I think um, we're just sort of building our, you know, WTW Coliseum video team, basically. Like we've <laughs> just got two, two really good videographers, a really good audio guy. And then when we kind of task them with like, well, how can we stream this on sites or IWTV sort of came back with a pretty hefty bill. And um, I guess if we're talking these cheese, like we, we wanted to pay off a lot of the ring stuff and we wanted to sort of get ahead of, some of the debt that we accumulated during the pandemic. Cause we actually canceled two shows during um, like the March, 2020 show. And then we were going to try to come back January, 2022. And both of those shows just went up in the air and we had paid for insurance and flights and all of this stuff. So we kind of wanted to make sure we were in good standing going forward. And then we could actually see this as a, as a business and not be out of pocket constantly. So how, how do you, that's a, that's a great, great place for us to go. How do you keep yourselves reined in when it comes to, c- comes to spending? Cause I've seen it before with promoters who start up, they have these grand aspirations, but they don't necessarily have the bank account to go with it, but they go crazy or the and, business plan or the business plan. They go crazy. They overspend, they overspend and they maybe run one or two shows <laughs> and, they're, and then they're just blowing out the cra- all their stuff. Stop pointing at me when you ask that question. <laughs> Well, Ben, Ben, how do you keep me in line? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, I guess that uh, Devin kind of uh, he has the ideas, and then I'm there to kind of fine tune them, and you know, kind of think more of the logistic side of it. And uh, you know, as he said, we're uh, we're kind of like super. We're working on squaring up with everything like we've invested into it so far, and then you know, going for it. Like obviously, we done eight nine shows now i think and each show you know we're learning you know where we can you know start to spend a little more and where we should uh spend a little less and you know it's all a learning process you know we're it's getting better and better every show so i'm looking forward to the future like um hopefully we can even apply for grants or such and you know get some added uh income that way and like uh like i don't know who this seems like a full pause to say in the wrestling business, but we're not doing it for the money. Like we, we just want to have a good time and we want our friends to have a good time. And you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about for us. I don't really passionate about like pro wrestling as a, you know, as a, <laughs> I don't even know what to call it at this point. It's like, it's taken over our lives in so many like facets, but um, having people come up to us and say, like, I've never seen wrestling in my life, but this was like the best night out I've had in years. And when they say that, they don't even mean like, oh, I've only seen The Undertaker. They mean I've never seen wrestling before, period. So you sort of have a whole new appreciation for this sport um, that, you know, we've been maybe a little bit jaded for for years, but seeing it through some new eyes has always been really nice. Creating new fans is very impressive. I I commend you for that. Um, Now, when I promoted wrestling back 12 years ago, when I, before I was out of touch, as I've been told, um, I found that it was a king of the castle mentality and everybody wanted to be the king of the castle and they were always slagging anybody that was trying to do something better or even guys that were not doing it as well to try to push them back down. Have you dealt with the politics of the king of the castle mentality where people are trying to say, Hey, what you guys are doing isn't as special as I personally have seen. It is special. Do you find that people are trying to slag at you or trying to, trying to, you know, 
put you in affect your place. Affect your momentum. Hmm. I don't know how to. I would say early on we were getting a lot of a lot of that from the you know we'll call them gatekeepers yeah in the scene and um, but you know it, again I think it's eight or nine shows we're in you can't deny what we're doing right now like to to shit on like our decisions or like our direction like clearly something's working so that that to me that has quieted down a lot. I think we've learned to handle it a lot better too. After early on, there was a lot of guff and then it ended up with some of the uh, partners in the collective just said, you know, this isn't really worth the trolling or whatever you want to call it um, from some other folks. But um, AJ, uh, AJ Sanchez, uh, the cha- WWE champion has been like instrumental in any success that we've had. He uh, gives us so much advice, um, vouches for us, um, helps like, you know, agent the shows and is just always like lending. I, I, I hope it's okay with me saying this, always lending like a, a hand when I, I kind of, we're of two minds because we don't see the politics all the time and we maybe not don't understand the, the, the toes we're stepping on or how important the words that we choose are um, and how they reflect on us. But AJ's really been kind in that way to um, sort of guide us. Okay, so here's what I just got from that answer. You guys are approaching this without really an ego at all. And you guys are just going about producing really kick-ass events. But unfortunately, because of the, uh, the approach and the success you guys are having, that there might be egos that are getting a little bit affected by it. And thanks to a guy like AJ, he's kind of helping mitigate that for you. And you guys are just focusing on what's working for you guys. That is what didn't happen 20 years ago in the local scene. That is what didn't happen 12 years ago in the local yep. scene. When somebody was was really doing something right, you guys aren't here boasting about it. You guys are two very humble guys that are sitting there focusing on what you guys want to do, which is putting on kick-ass events. Major kudos to both of you for that. Um, Josh Alexander is one of your top guys. How have you had the relationship with the now Impact World Heavyweight Champion and how have you been able to foster that into him becoming a, some, somewhat of a regular for your roster? Who are some of the big players on your roster that you're bringing in? Hmm. Well, Josh was on our third show, Sure Plans a Charm, and he actually faced AJ. And I think, uh, I wish you could have seen our shows at the Sure because they were a lot different. But in, in some ways, a lot more fun. It was just more intense, more uh, different atmosphere. And uh, he just had a great time. And then when we were coming together with this uh, storyline that we had with um, Ali and uh, Effie, that we wanted to have Jody have you know a male counterpart, or who better than the man that trained her? And Josh has been one of those veterans that you know I could text him when when Effie uh, dropped out of our show. I texted him and I was like, "What do we do? Do you have anyone that can come in?" And he immediately reached out to the entire Impact roster and basically said, "Like, you know, can you come to Winnipeg and?" And to go out of his way, you know, a family man like that, a champion like that, to sort of vouch for us and try to fill a spot in our in our roster was just spoke volumes to us. So we've like besides Josh, there aren't many big big names uh, that I think we work with regularly. We've really been trying to focus on the Minneapolis carload, uh, the St. Louis and the Calgary folks, and then our local guys like you know Red Hot Summer and AJ and Bobby Shank. And just sort of have a long-term vision for, like, let's book, you know, Devon Monroe again. Let's book Riley Jackson again. Uh, Blair Onyx, Jody Threat. And then the hopes that the, the crowd just gets so into these personalities and these performers that it just sort of becomes like a WPW roster. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to go. And it's keeping your cost down when you can get them to drive in as opposed to fly in. And, you know, you're not loading it with names like I was guilty of doing quite a lot. So, again, kudos to you. It's it's just fresh, too. Like, that's the, that was the one thing that struck me when we were there at the show. It felt like a fresh experience to me. I've gone to plenty of wrestling shows in my time, locally specifically, and a lot of times it, it's like, okay, it's great matches, great, but it's like I've seen XYZ wrestle XYZ probably five times. With these the carloads that they're bringing in, it just feels. It, it. I think that helps create the atmosphere. Having the having the fresh talent makes the atmosphere feel fresh. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that was totally the goal. Like uh, we we like to lend to your uh, thoughts on exclusivity. 
we wanted to bring in people that you can't really see at the other local shows in Winnipeg. Um, and not to not to shit on anyone in Winnipeg, but like like ourselves, like you know, we we love local wrestling, but we you know we're seeing the same faces again and again, and we just wanted to yeah bring some fresh faces. It's exactly what I talked about, exclusivity and the value of exclusivity for talent. You're saying it right there because you're saying you had to present different than what people were used to paying for and seeing. And the wrestlers all get mad when it's when promoters are starting to talk about exclusivity, but they need to because they need to have their own brand that they're presenting for the price they're charging. Now, here's a very important question. I, I was at the West End Cultural Center and I saw a mix of an amazing venue, amazing atmosphere, amazing fan base, and amazing talent in the ring. By percentage, what's the most important when it comes to fan base, presentation and production, and the talent in the ring? Give it to me. Is it 33% even for all three, or is there one that's more important than the other two? I think the wrestling has to be top-notch. It has to be uh, professionals who are skilled at what they're doing, who are talented, and the crowd can see. Uh, we had Shotzi Blackheart here twice before she got signed with WWE, and I think that sort of became a mantra for us. Like, you want to see these people as um, they're on the next step in their journey to being an AEW or WWE or Impact or whatever it is, and, you know, hopefully they'll be back, but this is a place where you can see them before they were stars, that kind of thing. So um, I, I think wrestling is number one because we, uh, you know... Ben and I have made a lot of mistakes uh, in our wrestling careers, um, like booking Joey Ryan, that kind of thing. <laughs> but we always try to focus on like, what's the best match possible. And um, cause that's what the people are ultimately there to see. So. You mentioned you're talking, uh, talking about you're watching for the, for the next big star to bring to your show. Who are you watching right now? <laughs> yeah. Tell us so that the next guy can book it. Book him. Who's on your radar. Hmm. You don't have to give ben, us that one. <laughs> uh, well, at the next show, which you don't have to you give us have anybody to... you're booking, but you know, if, if there's somebody you you are like, hey, that could well, be a guy. No, well, or no, personally, like that. at our next show, we have a uh, Cody Lane coming, and uh, I'm very excited to see him. I, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled that he's uh, wants to come here, and like, um, I think it's going to be a killer show. Like. Every, every show we have, like we're bringing in someone new that we want to see, and that's that's the fun of it for us. Like, I, I think like um, <laughs> D- Devon Monroe and uh, Jody Threat. Um, I I think they will be stars one day. I I just think the opportunity is uh, is theirs. You know, in, in time, my Michael Richard Blaze from uh, Alberta was is such an up and comer, and you know you, we saw Jody on AEW last week. We saw. Michael in a backstage um, thing for WWE on Raw a couple weeks ago. Like these opportunities are there for them, and we're just like to be a small part of like getting their name out there more. You know, having really good footage, really good photos, really good representation of who they are through our channels too. Yeah, those are all very, very important things I've preached about. The value of photography, the value of presentation. You guys got it down. Um, what's the next show? When is it? What are How are tickets moving? I think you guys are already sold out, aren't you? You guys do that. I, I, I want to know that secret. But talk, talk about the next show. It's coming up in December, I think, December 9th. Yeah, December 9th. Uh, WWE Payne actually, too. Payne Harder. Um, it sold out on the Saturday after the Friday that we announced the show. <laughs> I don't know how it, uh, I think we benefited from just a real hot show there. And everyone that was there was like, we got to go to the next one. And then the next day we actually had a show at Manifest, mm-hmm. um, outside in front of the ledge there. And so we had just like, you know, a packed crowd there where we could keep shilling stuff. So, um, and then we'll be announcing something next week for January. So, uh, everyone should stay tuned for that. Oh, good. The schedule is going to get a little bit more, um, more active, I guess. Well, we go back and forth with, um, we don't want to burn out the audience. And, and like, I think the model of professional wrestling, you know, independent professional wrestling is great when it's monthly. Cause then we actually feel like we can tell a story going forward and not have to have uh, you know, consistent uh, program blow-offs and have more angles and programs and all that. But um, we just, the day we don't sell out is going to be like kind of a weird feeling because we're going to feel like we did something completely wrong and start questioning everything. So 
baby steps. Keep, keep it special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, business, the business is cyclical, it seems. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're enjoying the high we're in right now. Yeah, a lot, a lot of positives, definitely. Um, what have you learned about each other being business partners? Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I get why me and Ben work so much because he is so much like my wife. <laughs> we, you know, you know, we we balance each other out greatly, and uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Ben and I actually were even like friends, or you know, even acquaintances. Really, we just seen each other at shows, and now we end up working really well together. So, uh, yeah, I probably text Devin more than I text anyone else in my life. Honestly. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Wow. Uh, anytime you guys get into arguments, is there ever a time where you guys have to like take a time out and back, like go backwards and figure out where to get it right? Uh, there's been a few, but you know, we're, 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 we're you know, we're, we're mature, responsible adults and you know, we figure it <laughs> I out. Think, I think we have a hard line where it's like, if you're really against something, just say it and we don't have to get into it. You know, like uh, yeah. before when there was five or six of us, we have this, stupid system of like voting on things and then you get a a three to five votes and people just aren't happy with that. So there did need to be more of an established role. Like I talk to the the wrestlers and, and make the bookings and, and, you know, I go to Ben for advice on how much can we pay and, and how much are flights and all these things. So if Ben is like, you know, we can't go forward with this, this is killing the business plan. Then yeah, I, I respect that. And if he's like, I want to book, you know, such and such. And I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling it. Then yeah, we just go with that. So there's one more show in 2022. How, how bright is the future in 2023 for Winnipeg pro wrestling? What should fans be ready for turning the page into the next calendar? Uh, honestly, I'm not good at answering questions like that. We, personally, <laughs> I take these things one show at a time, you know, um, but I just focus on what's in front of us, not too far ahead. Uh, I, I believe in wrestling you can't plan too far ahead because things come up all the time. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, hopefully we just keep on growing. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we're on a good trajectory and hopefully we can you know, return to manifest and do some more shows um, in sort of unconventional um, you know, venues. And just keep booking sort of talent that are up on up and coming, and hopefully 2023 brings them good things too. Well, I think that's amazing. Thank you both for making time to be on the Total Bees Show today. I learned a little bit. Before we go, uh, where should people follow you on social media? And uh, is there anything else you want to leave us with? Uh, check us out at uh, WPG, like Winnipeg Pro, on Instagram or Facebook or or Twitter. We're pretty active on those. And we're really trying to push the YouTube because a lot of our shows get um, uploaded there uh, about a month after the show with commentary and the, the footage is absolutely incredible. It's uh, TV quality. So really proud of that. All right. We're going to share your YouTube on social media uh, after the show as well so that yep. people can start to check that out because they should see the quality of these shows to really get an appreciation for it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, I learned a lot. And I can say everything that you guys said was genuine, but it was also true and honest. And I appreciate that. And fans, they should be buying those tickets when they can get them because a night out at WPW is always a mind-blowing experience. Keep up the good work, guys. Oh, oh thank you, Mike. Thank you, Chris. Have a good one. Hey, B-She's listeners. Steve Rosenthal here from Powertown. As the managing partner and co-founder of Powertown Wrestling, I just wanted to let you know that our Series 1 which includes figures of the iconic Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, Magnum TA, Kerry Von Erich, Vern Gagne, and Muthez are now available for pre-order at PowertownWrestling.com. The figures are $45 each with bundles available. Each 7-inch scale ultra figure is also showcased with personalized accessories, ringwear, and championship belts. The unique book-like packaging delves into the lives and careers of the wrestlers in this series. Since our inception, we have made it our mission to celebrate the wrestlers that built this sport, and we are so excited to be able to share these figures with collectors and fans around the world. This is just the beginning for us, so be sure to follow us everywhere with Powertown Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. There's much more to come from Powertown 
where wrestling lives on. This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast, I think you're a coward. And now it's time for the Mary Brown's Mailbag. Mary Brown's Crave Delicious. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's Chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's Chicken. And who only uses Manitoba-grown potatoes hand-cut in-store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in-store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. All right, are you ready, Mike? I am, but every time we do Mary Brown's mailbag, I am craving a stop at Mary Brown's real bad. So Me too. Let's get through it. Three questions today. I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Uh, this one come, coming in from a fan of the show, Travis. Does Mike have a personal beef with Luther? He's talking about Dr. Luther. Yeah. Just curious, as Luther is really not what he's being made out to be by Mike. He's a coach, and he gets zero camera time. And he's actually helped a guy like Darby Allen smarten up. Okay, I don't know how he's helped Darby Allen smarten up, and I don't know what his exact role is. I do know when he started, he started as an on-air character. I do know when he got the contract, he got it because he was friends with Chris Jericho. There ain't nothing wrong with that, let me tell you. But my, I don't have an issue with Lenny St. Clair or Dr. Luther. I think that they had a great career. I think the pinnacle and zenith of their career was in the 90s and in the early 2000s, and that's 20 years ago. So now if he's going to be an agent or a coach, make him an agent or a coach, there's nothing wrong with that. But people like to say that, oh, Billy Gunn is, you know, almost 60, but Billy Gunn still looks like he's 40. Yeah. Dr. Luther can't say that. Dr. Luther shows signs of the age that he has. He, he, he looks older in the face, but I don't know if you've seen him lately. Because uh, he's jacked. Uh, no. He's, uh, he's. I mean, I'm not going to say gonna that be... he's on some sort of performance-enhancing substance, but... You were looking so forward to this for this question so you could just promote Dr. Luther. Um, here's the thing. See? See? That's exactly what I told you, Travis. He, I have no issue with the guy. Hey, if, if you get offered a contract with a company and you can contribute something, and obviously he can because otherwise it's bad investment for them to have him under, under contract... But they're, if they're not giving him TV time, that's great. If they moved him into an agent role or a coach role, that's great too. But why he got the job was because of a relationship to Chris Jericho. And that's all I've said. And I and if I'm and you don't have a problem with that though zero yeah none okay. I have no issue with Lenny Sinclair a lot of I, you know I think I worked with him a couple times in the early two thousands. And I think the shows he was on in the early 2000s, he added a lot too. If he's doing that in AEW today, great. What I do make fun of is calling you Dr. Luther Jr. You do, yes. Because you're a big torchbearer for Dr. Luther and you think you should have a strap and all that good I stuff. Don't, I see, this is where you, this that, is where we go off road because yeah. you put all this stuff on you're like, you think Dr. Luther should be the world champion. There's the same thing with Danhausen. You're like, your buddy Danhausen. I know. I just, mentioned Danhausen one time. It's just me having fun. Next I know, question. I love it. All right, this one coming in from Superfan. Dave Cote. Uh, this is using hashtag Mary Brown's mailbag on Twitter. Thanks a lot for that one, Dave. This week's question is for Chris. Oh, just for me, uh, I guess. I'm going to answer it too. Oh, okay. Is the Outlaw Adam Knight and Mike an AEW work or a shoot? Okay, tell him. Is it a work or a shoot? It is 100% a shoot. Yes. I, it, I just told you earlier, way back in the show, all the reasons why the Montreal Screwjob was a work. And I'm gonna we're going to delve into that next week. And I told you why I still think CM Punk is working with the Bucks and Omega for a later big payoff. And they're doing it geniusly, if that's what they're doing. Is geniusly a word? I think I'm using it that way. Um, the thing is, I don't hate Adam Knight. He hates me. Yes. And I'm completely fine with that. And he would, I, like, Dave, I can say 100%. Like, he, Adam Knight does not like Mike Davis. No. There's no question about it. And Adam Knight and I broke in together in 1995, and we were close. There was a time where the best guy that ever produced Adam Knight and, and Shane Madison, geez, wheeze, will tell you, I was the guy that got the most out of Adam Knight by producing him. It is a lot of work to produce Adam Knight because Adam Knight has natural instincts in his head of what he wants to do. And a good booker and a good producer is saying, 
If you do this, it will be better for business. So follow my lead and stop overthinking and stop interpreting what I'm telling you. And just please do what I'm asking you to do. Now, my critiques of his promo, I actually think did wonders for Adam Knight's uh, presence on online and on social media. I think it got people interested and excited in seeing him. It helped him because his promos weren't doing what he needed them to do. They were coming off flat. They were coming off uninspired. They were coming off very, very, very negatively. And I think that people then went back, watched them, thought it was kind of comical and it gave him almost a new lease, a second chance from the promo that really was a stinker. I like Adam Knight. I would love to have him on their podcast. So far, I think it's however many interviews we've done, probably a dozen, maybe 15. I have never blindsided anyone with some sort of rude comment or anything like that. And I wouldn't if Adam Knight did this. Adam Knight punched me. I never did anything to Adam Knight. He thinks I was the Rokeby River, and I told you that was Danny Duggan. That's all on Adam Knight. But I like Adam Knight. He's the one who has the issue with me. And it's a 100% shoot. Is it too early for a New Year's resolution? Because I think it's my resolution to get Adam Knight on the show. Do it before. I'll bump a guest to have Adam Knight on. Sure, I'm going to try before. But I just feel like this is going to take a while, a little bit of convincing. Perhaps uh, some assurances that Mike Davidson won't be in the room. Should I do a tease of a guest we have coming up on the podcast? Sure, let's okay, do that. Not between, yet. Between one question. more question. Oh, you want to do one? Okay, let's do the last question. This one is coming in to our inbox, uh, totalbeeshees at gmail.com. From Nathan. How did Mike Davidson deal with bullying in the wrestling business? <laughs> okay, so I wonder if that if Nathan thinks I was bullied uh, or if Nathan thinks maybe I didn't have the presence to stand up for myself in the role of booker producer. Um, never, you know, I had some issues with talent that where they were kind of, they were rude to me. Um, local talent, not big name talent, B- big name talent. And I never really had an issue like that. Um, but I never really took it personally. And I always kind of looked at the dynamic. The bad thing is bullying in wrestling. I was probably guilty of being a bully. Not that I went around and physically intimidated people, but I was a guy that believed you had to earn your spot in the business. And too many guys were looking for the way in without earning it. And I was an utter prick to those people to the point where like, I believe, I believe I was probably guilty of hazing. I was probably guilty of, of making it not an enjoyable environment. And in this day and age, I would get canceled for some of that shit. Um, and I'm, I'm regretful for that, honestly. Um, but at the same time, the greater good was when I broke in in 95, you protected the business and I didn't get accepted. I was, I did, but I was Vance's boy and there were people who were okay with that. And there were people who thought I backdoored into the business and I, and they weren't always nice to me. Uh, there was an example of a guy who was like very, very much out of shape and he was hell bent on being, uh, training to be a wrestler. And I knew he didn't have the physical capacity to do it. So I had to talk with him. I said, listen, you don't have the physical capacity to do this. Maybe you shouldn't do it. And he was very dismissive to me. And he said, if I want to do it, I'll do it. Maybe I can make a run at this. And I said, you're never going to make a run at no. this. And I was almost insulted because I was coming to him and trying to do him a favor. Like, listen, maybe there's a role we can find for you, but it isn't going to be as an in-ring wrestler. And he was very steadfast that he was going to do this. Um, and I was really mean to him. Like I ribbed him and I, and it's, um, you know, it's not good. And in this day and age, that's creating a culture of, of unacceptance. But I also think that this idea that wrestling has to have a culture of full acceptance is dead wrong. You have to earn your spot in. You have to be physically capable if you think you're going to be a wrestler. Just because you want to be in the business doesn't mean, oh, I can't wrestle, but I'll ref or I'll be a, a ring announcer. I'll be a manager. You have to have a certain skill set, a certain talent, a passion, all of those things. You can't just open the door and say, come on in. And so I don't, as much as I know I would change and I'm a lot softer now than say 15 years ago, um, I still would be protective of who gets in that door. I just wouldn't be a prick about how I kept them out of the door. Well, sometimes you have to protect people from themselves too. And there's, there is a such thing as tough love. There is a line between tough love and bullying. Yeah. And you might've been over the I line. I was ridiculing but the guy you were treating him bad. But you were probably, you were in the, you were in the right space. Like you were, you didn't do yep. it. 43-year-old Mike Davidson would be a lot more uh, graceful and polished on how I would, you know, break the news and and deliver the message. Uh, 2010 Mike Davidson, who was running a wrestling company that was really aspiring to be a big deal, um, who had a chip on his shoulder, who had an ego, 
wasn't going to do that. And I, I, it's unfortunate. You grew up with time and I've grown up from it. And I apologize to anybody that was ever affected by my actions. And, you know, if they want to tell the horror stories, I will live up to them. I did it. And, uh, I learned from it. And I hope they, they don't hate me for it. All right, there we are. That's this week's Mary Brown's Mailbag. Mary Brown's Crave Delicious. You can get us at us on Instagram, Total Bee She's, on Facebook, Total Bee She's, and on Twitter as well, Total Bee She's, using the hashtag Mary Brown's Mailbag or inboxes Total Bee's Total Bees She's at gmail.com. See, even I got tripped up on it, Mike. Yeah, but I I don't. The Total Bees She's show, I could say it 15 times fast if I really wanted to. Say it, Total Bees She's at gmail.com fast. Total Bees She's at gmail.com. All right, you, you got me. Yeah, I practice it at home, though. <laughs> I don't think you do. I don't. All right, so it's November. It sweeps. Well, tomorrow's November, and it sweeps, and we're, we've been really hitting it out of the ballpark with our guests, and our interviews today was Devin and Ben, and they were great from Winnipeg Pro Wrestling. Last week, Tommy Lee Curtis told the best story ever about Bruce and Teddy Hart, and then there's Davey Boy Smith Jr., Greg Gagne, Jeez Weez, Shane Madison. Um, we've really taken, taken it up a level in yeah. terms of who we've got, and we're educating we're, sh- we're shining a light on people who are doing great things. So to get this next guest was not easy. And I got to tell you, like, it was, it was something else. So I'm going to play a clip and then you'll know who the next guest is. So st- here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing one of the most celebrated sports personalities in the world today, former heavyweight champion All right, before you get excited and think that somehow we landed Nature Boy Ric Flair for the podcast, no, but we did get the second best ring announcer of all time behind Howard Finkel. Gary Michael Capetta is coming to the BGE show next week. I couldn't be happier about it. And that intro there of Ric Flair is exactly why he was the second best ring announcer of all time. From Oxnard. Isn't that Buck Snort? I, can't, uh, I don't uh, do an imitation. Buck, yeah, it's a Buck yes. Snort. From uh, Buck Snort, Indiana. Tennessee, Bucksnort, Tennessee. Is it? Yes. Anyway, that's what we got coming up next week on the show. We're going to talk about the Montreal Screwjob, all the reasons that was a work, and much, much, much more. Before you go, before you go, what? We need your, we need your imitation. Of what? Uh, Of our new, our guest. I don't do an imitation of Gary Michael Capetta, but you will hear Gary Michael Capetta next week on the Total Beach Show. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post. And the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the Iceman. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy. But what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Eric, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling.
Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover, and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?